0: Warning, the following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard or believed to be true about how the human body works and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy. We're going to take a look today at the responses that we might see to weight training within the skeletal muscle. Talking a little bit about muscle damage and recovery that will occur so that we can get the structural changes that we need in order to be able to see the gains in strength that occur when we ask the muscle to do more than what the muscle is able to do. And so we're working out. And when we work out, we're gonna try to gain muscle. And the way in which we gain muscle is we have to push ourselves. There's the old adage of no pain, no gain. And that's pretty true. Because we have to make the muscle have to do more than what the muscles is going to be comfortable doing. And so we keep asking the muscle to do more and the muscle to do more and the muscle to do more. We keep pushing the muscle. We keep pushing the muscle by adding weight to what we're doing, adding repetitions while still having a constant weight, doing exercise for longer periods of time than what we're comfortable of doing when we first started, continually pushing ourselves to become stronger in our exercises. But as we're doing our exercise, what's happening inside the muscle that's gonna allow us to become stronger? The way in which muscles are going to respond is based off of the concept of response to overload. Response to overload is the muscle's attempt to maintain strength when the resistance that we're asking them to move against is greater than what they're capable of moving against. In response to overload, muscles will undergo a growth signal to produce more muscle or provide the muscle a means to produce more contractions. The way in which this takes place is through what's referred to as tension overload or workload overload. Tension overload is where we ask the muscle to produce a strength that is greater than what it's capable of producing at this time. This occurs through the eccentric phase of the contractions. Sometimes we as the negatives in gym talk. So when we're in the gym and we're going to do our negatives, what we're doing is we're creating more weight or asking the muscle to move against more weight than what we can do on the positive motion. So we're gonna say bench press and we're bench pressing 185 pounds. If I, instead of doing 185 pounds, I do 200 pounds, but all I can do is allow that weight to go from the top of the motion to the bottom of the motion. That's the negative, that's the eccentric phase. That's where I'm gonna have to produce more tension than what I'm capable of producing. In the excessive workload, what I'm gonna do is I'm going to produce more tension than what I'm normally capable of doing. I'm gonna have to produce more work. We see the excessive workload happen when I go from being able to do 10 repetitions to trying to do 12 repetitions, or going from running 10 minutes to running 11 minutes. The excessive workload occurs when I have some change in metabolites taking place in the skeletal muscle and around the skeletal muscle. That's going to lead to what we sometimes refer to as fatigue. So with the tension overload, what ends up happening is that we end up getting a loss of contraction strength, fatigue coming in due to damage within the sarcomere, within the contractile part of the skeletal muscle, the part of the skeletal muscle that's going to actually produce the muscle contraction. If I do this too much, if i create too much of attention overload. I can actually cause the muscle itself to rupture and become damaged with the excessive workload. I end up having an inability to recruit the muscle fiber itself. That means I can't get the muscle to undergo contractions. This is where we start having fatigue within our contractions. The fatigue that we look at with excessive workload is not me being tired. It's not my feeling of fatigue after workout. It's the inability to move the weight that I'm trying to move after a few repetitions. What ends up happening is that as we undergo our contractions, we're going to have shortening of the muscle. And that shortening is going to lead to movement on one end of the muscle based off of the pattern of motion that we want. And so we start off with our relaxed muscle. But what happens if I apply a load to it? What happens if I pick up a weight and decide to start doing some weight training? So I load the muscle. I pick up the dumbbell. I pick up the barbell. The first bit of tension that gets produced within the muscle is coming from the connective tissue. It's coming from the tendons that are connecting the muscle to the bone, trying to keep the muscle from moving. And by keeping the muscle from moving, I'm able to keep the bones from moving. And this allows me to have a static posture. This puts me into the set position during the lift. I then try to do motion. As I start to do motion, what I'm gonna try to do is I'm gonna try to get the moving end of the muscle to move towards the fixed end of the muscle. I'm gonna do this by recruiting the muscle. As I recruit the muscle, I'm gonna start to add tension within the muscle. I'm gonna start to get some muscle shortening taking place. I'm going to keep trying to recruit the muscle in an attempt to get enough shortening to allow for the movement to take place in the pattern that I want the movement to take place. And I keep recruiting and I keep recruiting until I can't get enough strength to overcome the overload. The muscle basically sends a signal says, I can't do this. Everything within the muscle that I'm trying to recruit has been recruited. There's nothing left for me to recruit you can't move anymore. We're now stuck in the isometric position. Because of the amount of tension being placed on the muscle, the connective tissue that surrounds the muscle itself and the connective tissue within the muscle starts to break apart. We overcome the tension limit for the for that connective tissue. And we start having sarcomere disruption, and we start having muscle fiber damage. And this will continue until we basically end up getting a stop signal. This is where I'm fatigued. I'm unable to produce a contraction. This occurs because the sarcomere has been disrupted and the muscle fibers themselves have been damaged. That damage is what's producing what's referred to as microtrauma. That microtrauma is going to be within the skeletal muscle itself, as well as within the connective tissue. You can think of this microtrauma as injury. This injury is coming from damage to the muscle fiber and damage within the muscle fiber. We get disruption of the sarcomere, sarcomere popping. That sarcomere popping is necessary as it's going to allow us to have recovery following the exercise that's gonna allow for muscle growth to take place. But what it's also gonna do is it's also going to initiate our immune response because we have injury taking place immune cells within the skeletal muscle tissue are going to start to activate an inflammation response. They're going to become active. They're going to become active to clear out the damaged tissue so that we're able to start the recovery process. And so we've overloaded. We've overloaded in order to get muscle growth. The problem is, is that we have inflammation. Inflammation is going to lead to pain. Remember, no pain, no gain. Pain is good when we're looking at muscle recovery, we're looking at muscle response to exercise. Muscle soreness is important. Muscle soreness is what's going to lead to the recovery and the gains that we want within the muscle. And when we look at muscle soreness, we have basically three types of muscle soreness. We have onset muscle soreness and then injurious muscle soreness. The muscle soreness we want is the AMs and the DOMS. We want muscle soreness that will occur acutely, AMs, acute onset muscle soreness. That's muscle soreness that will take place an hour or so after workout. Or DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. That's the muscle soreness that's gonna take place 24 to 48 hours the next day or two days after the exercise. The alms and the doms is where we get sore and it kind of hurts to walk around and move around if we happen to be doing, say, a leg day where we're stiff and we're sore and we're tired and we don't want to do stuff. That is the alms and the doms. That's good soreness. That soreness that takes place due to the micro trauma occurring within the exercise. However, we don't want injurious muscle soreness, the AIMS, the acute injurious muscle soreness. The acute injurious muscle soreness is an indication that we have more than just microtrauma taking place. We have damage to the tendons, damage to the ligaments, damage in the joints of the skeletal part of the musculoskeletal system, possible muscle tears. Those are the sorenesses that we don't want. Those sorenesses are a very acute. They take place instantaneously. This is not, however, the burning sensation that you might get during exercise. The burning sensation that you might get during exercise and the soreness you might experience during an exercise is part of the alms. The way to, to determine if, if it's an aims situation or an alms situation is how sharp is the pain And does the pain limit my ability to do movement with that muscle? And what we're looking at when we're looking at the onset of muscle soreness issues is a cascade of events stemming from the immune system. The muscle pain that you feel, the muscle burning that you feel during exercise is not from lactate or what some people refer to as lactic acid, but it's from tissue damage triggering the embedded immune system. To become active. When the immune cells become active, they're going to increase immune signals, immune hormones, such as interleukin-1, interleukin-6, interferon gamma, TNF-alpha, and then a whole host of prostaglandins. While at the same time, they're going to block anti-inflammatory IL-10, interleukin-10, as well as growth hormones, such as mechanical growth factor from the cells themselves. What the activation of the inflammation signals and the blocking of the anti-inflammation signals do is it increases macrophage activity, it increases a protein within the cells known as NF-kappa B and COX proteins, It's going to trigger myoblast proliferation, more myoblasts becoming active, but it's not going to allow for differentiation of the myoblasts. So what it's going to do is it's going to trigger muscle cells, the stem cells that would normally allow for growth to take place, to start the cascade of events to lead to growth, but it won't allow growth to occur. It reduces internal signals within the cells in terms of responsiveness to IL-10, what that does is that increases inflammation within the muscle that's been worked out. So if we think about it, we work out and we talk about getting swole after workout. That swollness is occurring due to inflammation. It's going to cause a change in blood flow into the cell, into the tissues around the cells It's going to cause movement of fluid from the blood into the interstitial area, this area around the tissues. Because we get activation of the fibroblast and the myoblast, we're going to get fibrosis taking place. We're going to get fibers being laid out, but the fibers that are being laid out is going to increase the likelihood of developing scar tissue, not skeletal muscle tissue. We're going to have very poor muscle protein synthesis taking place because of the inflammation signals, in particular high amounts of cortisol taking place. All of these lead to the classical signs and symptoms of muscle soreness, such as the feelings of pain, the altered muscle functions, reduced ability to produce strength, reduced maximal strength reduce maximal power, reduce maximal workload, edema in the tissues, fluid collection in the limb, fluid collection in the muscle. That's going to make the muscle and make the limb look bigger. The fluid collection with the altered ability for the muscle to work is going to alter my range of motion. How easy is it for me to move throughout the entire range that I should be moving? Because of the metabolic stress that's taking place, we're going to have a large amount of oxidative stress occurring. We're going to have an increase in our signals of oxidative stress. We're going to have a reduction in our antioxidant capacity. We're going to use up a lot of our antioxidant vitamins. We're going to need to supplement those antioxidant vitamins. We're going to have large amounts of muscle damage-induced inflammation. We're going to see increase in white blood cells. We're going to see increase in the granulocytes, in the eosinophils, in the basophils, in the macrophages, in the in T-cells the and B-cells. We're going to see a whole host of pro-inflammatory signals, the IL-6, the TNF-alpha, the C-reactive proteins, which is going to change the way in which blood flow is moving around the body. All of those factors come into play To trigger inflammation, the more inflammation I have, the poorer my resolution will be. I need resolution in order to allow the muscle to become functional, in order to replace damaged skeletal muscle with active functional skeletal muscle. So we need to have pain in order to have gains. We need OMS and we need DOMS, but we need to get over it.